Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest, Nick Gosling. He's optimizing specialty B2C companies for greater bottom line impact. We He's going to talk about the future of retail, building to last, building an omni-channel, really interesting. And he also comes from the same city, Houston. So Nick, welcome. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, we had connected through Podmatch and um, kind of set the stage for this fireside. Tell people your background, your story, and we'll get into the discussion. Yeah, so my my background is pretty eclectic. Uh, <laughs> it it may, maybe even a little scattered in some ways when you look back on it in, in retrospect. But when I kind of look at the unifying themes, a lot of it really had to do with uh, specialty consumer goods companies. I, I was in the in the beverage space for a couple of years as an executive. Uh, I was in financial services, consumer facing financial services and venture capital. I was in specialty retail. So really kind of specialty consumer goods was sort of the unifying theme of my career. And I didn't plan that. That's just sort of how it happened and uh, and sort of how I became an expert in those things over the years. So yeah, I, I'm originally from, from Las Vegas, Nevada, interesting place to grow up and uh, have been in Texas for about uh, five years. And, you know, we, we, we love it out here. So except for the brutal summers. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is not fun, but being from Vegas, I'm, I'm used to 115 degree heat. So yeah. As, as used to as you can ever be, I guess. You never really get used to it. But. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's interesting, you t- This I, I'm always interested in cutting edge ideas and themes. I'm always looking at the big picture. So you talk about the future of retail and, um, you know, I think Amazon really showed retail and the exits, but, you know, kind of you, I'm interested in seeing what's after that. You talk about don't fall behind the times. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of it really has to do with, you know, how you're approaching customer experience Uh, that there's a lot of expectations that have been changing over the years in terms of what customers expect. If you're in a retail business, whether that's a traditional brick and mortar retailer, or you're a direct to consumer manufacturer who's selling through e-commerce or some other channels like that. It's really all about what kind of experience, are you providing for your customer? Uh, even if you're not in specialty retail, you know, if you're more in like convenience goods, there's still a strong customer experience element to it. It's not quite as important, but it's still important. 
So, you know, you got to think about things like when, if you were in the position of being a customer, you know, what do you want when you interact with a brand? Well, you probably want to be able to find the information you're looking for. You want to be able to know if it's going to, the product or service is going to be a good fit for you. So new technologies that we're seeing kind of come to the fore uh, to accomplish that are things like uh, augmented reality, virtual reality. Retailers are incorporating those into their stores. Uh, there are ways to do that through e-commerce and web channels as well. Uh, for example, you know, if, if I'm just kind of an arbitrary example off the top of my head, but if you're in fashion or something like that, you know, there's now technologies that allow the customer to visualize what they look like in certain clothing or how certain furniture, if you're in the furniture business, would fit inside their home for decor purposes. If you're in more of like consumer packaged goods, uh, I, I talked about this in a recent interview with the Food Institute, you know, customers sometimes want to know about like the supply chain, like, hey, where did my food come from? Tell me about the farm that my vegetables were grown on. Augmented and virtual reality technologies can help make that uh, more of an immersive customer uh, for, for your user, for your customers. So these are just a few examples of some of the changing dynamic we've, that we've seen in retail. And then, of course, in the past year or so, AI become the, the, the big talking point, right? I, I released a book earlier this year on the business use of AI, but in retrospect, I, I think I published it in February. It's now like so much of it is already obsolete because AI keeps changing so quickly and dramatic, but a lot of different things like that. Uh, it, but but my, my, my big picture advice, so I don't get too long-winded here, the, the, the takeaway is consider the customer experience. It's about what can you do to immerse the customer in your brand and really just provide the kind of experience that you expect when you're a customer. Yeah, you, you so, gave so much, so many interesting talking points. Um, one thing, you know, we'll talk about AI and um, uh, all of these new technologies. Um, one thing is talking about is, um, especially after 2020, uh, a lot of businesses, after 2020, I, I transitioned my business to a completely digital virtual so I, you know i can run it from anywhere in the world and 24 7 but is brick and mortar still relevant in today's digital first retail environment yeah yeah so i mean it 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 definitely is in in retail you know and i mean as a as a physician and i'm assuming a lot of your a lot of your audience are physicians you know there's there's definitely still a place right, for having a physical clinic. Like there's some things, if you need to get a shot or something, you know, you can't do that through a computer, but a lot of medicine that is consultative can be done through through virtual. So I think we've seen a lot of that uh, really shift in, in, your, in your field. And I think that's a very positive thing. Um, but, but, but in terms of like traditional, traditional retailing, like you're selling, you're selling a product. Yeah, brick and mortar is definitely not going away anytime soon. We've seen predictions for decades now that this was going to go away, everything would just be entirely online. And that's really not what's happened. You know, um, during COVID, it, it briefly became a necessity for many businesses that were only able to sell online because their physical locations, depending on, on where they were, uh, may have been completely shut down. And, and you know, there, there's many customers that want to only buy online, but the bulk of your customers probably a, a mix, just like, like, 
Most of us probably are. Sometimes you want to buy online. Sometimes you want to browse a store. If you need something immediately, you don't want to wait for two or three day delivery. You want to be able to drive and pick it up. So there's there's definitely still going to be a place for brick and mortar, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. I think maybe someday, you know, some indeterminate point down the road where you can just press a button and a drone flies whatever you want to your house in under half an hour, uh, then maybe we won't need brick and mortar very much. But the technology is a long, long way off from that. Yeah, I think Amazon is kind of just the first tipping point uh, with this, like the prime and then you get you go almost you almost sometimes you get same day delivery which is amazing so yeah and then this this idea of uh you know you touched on this idea where it's not going to be all digit it's going to be kind of a hybrid um but you know like just coming back from seattle like the whole like commercial like a lot of those buildings are empty talk about uh building to last there's a great book um you know built to last but creating a business that weathers economic turmoil this is so key especially in today's um business landscape right and i mean you know there's there's some things that can like spring on us through <laughs> macroeconomic or geopolitical events that that are just totally unexpected right i mean look at just COVID again that was the most recent example right look at how what happened and then you know just kind of looking at at least american history in in years prior you know you had the the, the, the banking crash, there was the dot-com crash, war, like any kind of number of crazy things could happen that are totally outside the control of your business. And you need to be prepared to endure that. But then there's also things that can just kind of come up during the, the natural course of business. You know, businesses go through just sort of natural peaks and, uh, and, and trough. You know, some of the general advice that I, that I give, it, it, it does help to, you know, when I'm working with a client or something, do analysis and really dive in and, and come up with some specifics. But things that are generally applicable, I think, no matter what business you're in, are you need to have some cash in your business set aside for a rainy day, right? That's just good old timey advice. And it, it still works even for a business. So just kind of like as an individual or a family, you know, you should probably have some kind of financial emergency fund. Your business needs to have some kind of financial emergency fund that will allow you to make payroll and cover your necessary operating expenses in the event of, of something unexpected. Another big thing is not being overly reliant on third, on just one or two third parties. So, you know, all of our businesses rely on third parties to some extent, no matter what business you're in. If, if like a handful of your suppliers or key accounts, key customer accounts, the platform you're selling on if you're if you're all digital, you know, concentrating 40, 50, 60% reliance into one third party puts you in a dangerous position. And sometimes you don't really have a choice, but to the extent that you can diversify that a little bit, uh, selling through multiple channels, having contingency plans with your vendors and backup vendors and, and all these sorts of things are, are to the extent that you can accomplish that and to the extent that it's feasible uh, it, it's typically a good idea because a lot of times what happens when economic or financial turmoil hits a company the immediate kind of knee-jerk reaction is to just start making cuts 
uh, and that could be cuts to personnel. It could be cuts to innovation and growth and technology, which is your future facing part of your business. You know, if you cut too quickly and too deeply, you may survive temporarily, but you may really make it difficult to survive the long term because like, when you lay people up and, and just, and that's even setting aside the human element, you know, of, of, of the difficulty of laying people off, but you're also hollowing out institutional memory in your business. Like those are people who know your company and when they're gone, you have to retrain all that. It can take years to rebuild. Uh, and, you know, if you're cutting growth and future facing endeavors too quickly, yeah, you might save some cash to survive now, but you're probably going to fall behind when the crisis is over. And now you need to start rebuilding towards the future. But, you know, you've you've cut out your capacity to do that. So, look, it's it's a delicate balance, right? It's whenever you're going through that kind of a, of a financial crisis, which many businesses will inevitably at some point, it's tough to know and predict exactly what to do. Um, but those are just good general principles that I like to advise on uh, for sort of thinking about how to approach it. Yeah. So well said, and um, especially, you know, a lot of part of my strategic planning is talking about risk analysis, risk mitigation, and, you know, especially after COVID, I, I broke it down to every single nuance. What are the risks? And do I have, you know, a plan A, B, and C? Do I have insurance, you know, talking about all these things and never, what you're talking about is diversification and risk diversification. And with the exception of climate change, and AI, you know, depending on a platform, you know, to host your, you know, all these, these are things that, you know, I'm always constantly thinking, you know, what happens if, you know, somebody hacks you or all these things that, you know, these are serious risks, like hospitals, companies, they get hacked all the time, get their data stolen, which brings us to this, the, the idea of, um, we'll talk about omni-channel, but you talk about the uh, cutting edge technology, generative AI, Web3, blockchain, autonomous vehicles, quantum computing, all these are hugely deflationary, hugely disruptive. So how should business leaders go about leveraging these technologies, learning about them, limitation, risk, and advantage? Yeah. And so when, when we think about kind of just the last few years, um, it's, it's, it's sort of been humorous in a way <laughs> because it's like we've had, oh yeah, um, crypto is the big thing, right? And then Oh, wait, wait, wait. Now it's Web3, which is kind of crypto related, but uh, and now it's AI. And so, you know, there's <laughs> and in the space of like two or three years, we've gone through several, you know, next big things. And the, the funny thing is all of those technologies are good technologies in and of themselves. They have a lot of promise for businesses. They're not going away. Uh, but what I think we've we've seen is, you know, it can be dangerous to overcommit or put all your eggs in one basket with that or jump in too quickly into the pool, if you will. So, you know, these the, the technologies are iterating so rapidly and we, we don't really know how it's going to shake out. You know, my my advice is you want to be on top of it, like you want to understand what's happening and think about ways that you could kind of transition it into your business to make things more effective or reduce cost or increase customer experience. 
but you don't want to, it's that same thing we were just talking about with diversification, right? You don't want to put yourself to where you're entirely dependent on these new technologies. So to give you an example, like I saw, this was within probably a month or two, maybe even less than that, of when chat GPT started to become a big thing. Um, And I saw on LinkedIn, there was a woman who was a small to medium sized business owner and she was hiring for a quote chat GPT expert. And I'm like, a chat GPT expert, this, the technology just came out in the last month or two. Like, how is anyone other than somebody who built chat GPT a chat GPT expert yet? And, and how are you going to hire somebody as staff and incorporate that into your business in such a big way? So maybe that's an extreme example, but the point is, you know, I think really when it comes to these technologies, the buzzword that we should all keep in mind is augmentation, not replacement. So mm-hmm. these are technologies that can help make us more effective, make your business more effective, uh, but they should not be seen, at least not yet, as wholesale replacements for large portions of your business. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And uh, that's why I'm always talking to have this podcast, talking to people with new ideas, always trying to get and get curious, see what, you know, play around with technologies, chat GPT, uh, you know, for example, instead of having blog and video editors, now I'm using a chat GPT and other uh, AI enabled software, dramatically increased productivity, decreased costs. It's, you know, these are huge and just playing around with it and, you know, trying different things and uh, experimenting while you still have your main core business. Um, and that way, when the time is right, it's like, you know, again, I reference 2020, when that time is right, you can flourish as opposed to scrambling and struggling, uh, running around. Really interesting. I think one one final question is uh, this idea, because this whole theme was diversification. You have so many ideas, uh, but one thing is talking about is uh, building an omni-channel and going where the customers are. Talk about you know, a lot of people say just focus on one platform. You can see, obviously, you know, if that platform goes away, you're in big trouble. So talk about becoming omni-channel. Yeah, so so the term omni-channel really, sometimes people use it as a synonym for e-commerce, but that's that's actually incorrect. It's It means, right, every channel, omni-channel. So the, the principles of omni-channel are about, you know, thinking where your customers are actually shopping, hanging out, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be selling. So, you know, that could be a a brick and mortar component. It could be uh, a, a, your own website, e-commerce direct to consumer component. It could be social media selling. It could be uh, special events, right. And going around to conferences and, and fairs and concerts and, you know, wherever your customers are, is where you want to be and where you want to be selling. And that's really kind of the overriding premise of omni-channel. So like yeah. if you're <laughs> if you're um, a, a, a traditional uh, brick and mortar type business, you know, the, the, the low hanging fruit is obviously think about, hey, how you can you incorporate a website and web sales and, you know, have that direct to consumer type experience through through web channels. Uh, it's, it's very different on the flip side when you're a traditional direct-to-consumer e-commerce business and you're adding retail distribution partners because then it's like, 
okay, you have to think about things like slotting fees, which is where you're paying to get your product in the stores, um, dealing with manufacturer chargeback. Your margins are going to take a hit, but you know, are you going to be able to outrun it by getting more sales, by partnering with retail distribution? So lots of different types of considerations. And so, you know, it, it really depends on your specific business, but the, the, the overriding premise is just think about where your customers are and how you can reach them there. And typically, almost invariably, it's not just in one channel. Yeah, I love that. And, and also your ideal customer avatar could shift from, you know, they enjoy reading blogs or Twitter or tweets and to photos, videos and podcasting, all these different mediums. So you always have to have some way of reaching that distribution segment. Um, really, this is what the traditional media companies have been doing, you know, for decades. Very, again, I love this conversation. How can people contact you, follow you, uh, check out your work and reach out to you? Yeah. So everything you need is on my website, Nick Goss. My newsletter is on there. You can sign up for my free business newsletter where I, I dive into a lot of these topics in depth. Uh, it, and it's very obvious on the homepage. You, you, you can't miss it if you go to the homepage. Uh, and, and then, you know, if for, for anyone listening, if you're in a specialty business to consumer company, you know, and you're interested in potentially discussing your business with me, there's a place you can self-schedule that on the website as well. Yeah. Yeah. For all the audience out there, let's thank Nick for coming out to the show, fellow Houstonian, and uh, this basically this idea of uh, disrupting yourself to stay relevant becoming a category of one and all of his links resources will be in the links in the show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you. It was great to be here. Great conversation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms. When you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you Wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.